0: Reimagination, a podcast discussing the gray areas in between Asian American culture, LGBTQA identity, Christianity, spirituality, and how they intersect. I'm Alex.
1: And I'm Jane, and we're your hosts in Reimagining Our Identities.
0: So I'm super excited as this has been sort of in the works for a few months now, and Jane, I know um, we're finally getting to it, and I'm glad that we're it's coming into fruition. But before we get into it, let's go ahead and give our audience a little bit of a background of ourselves. Did you want to go ahead and kick us off?
1: Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, yeah, hi again. My name is Jane. Um, a little bit of background about myself is I am an Asian-American woman. Um, I'm also a second-generation Korean-American, and I go by she, her, hers pronouns. Um, And in terms of my Christian background, I grew up um, in a Southern Baptist Korean American church in the Bay Area, and currently I still do identify as a Christian, but I'm deconstructing and denouncing a lot of my past oppressive theology that I grew up on, and I'm currently reconstructing my theology and reevaluating my worldviews on spirituality. How about you, Alex, would you like to share?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I am second generation, um, I my my parents actually immigrated here from the Philippines, so I identify as Filipino-American. I do identify as a gay male with pronouns of he, him, and his. I am currently a non-denominational Christian, however, I did grow up being Catholic, uh, which has definitely shaped me a lot in terms of my beliefs. and at the end of it, really recognizing that God is my almighty Father. Also to kind of give our audience a little bit of understanding how we know each other, we actually met each other through uh, one of the churches that we attended called Sons and Daughters. I was a newcomer and it was a little bit difficult for me to stay connected and um, feel like a sense of belonging in this church, but the first person that really approached me was actually Jane and I'd like to say that she left an imprint on me. Uh, she followed up with me and really made sure that my experience at Sons and Daughters was really a good one. And since then, we have been able to just really hit it off and, and become really close friends. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just really glad that we're able to do this together.
1: Yeah, I also, I think, first meeting you left a huge impress- impression on my heart as well. And I think um, your vulnerability about your identity and about mm-hmm. where you were at in your life at that time, started a journey of a series of conversations that we had
0: mm, together.
1: Yeah, um, a lot about the contradictions that we felt yeah. about our Christian identity, with our sexual identity, with our worldviews, about our Asian American, and even how our Asian American identities play in all of that Mm -hmm. and we spent so many nights and days just talking and expressing to each other about fears about our faiths about questions that we had and i think ultimately what brought us together is that we were there for each other Mm -hmm. and those intimate conversations that we had with each other gave us the courage and the idea to start this podcast
0: And to add a little bit more on that, you know, because of these open conversations where we had very vulnerable moments, it created a space for us to not be judgmental towards each other. And I think as a result, we then were able to just uh, want to utilize our voice and be able to influence and hope that others would be able to amplify their own views, their own voice when it comes to these different identities.
1: And we hope that you can join us on this journey as we come together in open dialogue about all these intersections. On today's episodes, we'd like to highlight the alarming increasing rates of anti-Asian sentiment that has been happening all over the country here in the United States. I'll be reading uh, statistics from the Stop AAPI Hate National Report. Quote, from March, 2020 to February, 2021, They have received a total of 3,795 hate incident reports from individuals in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. And people of all races and ethnicities within the Asian American category were targeted. Alex, I would love to hear your thoughts and or feelings on these targeted hate crimes on our community.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's crazy to see those numbers it's I, I did not realize these numbers until sort of what you've described and what was presented sort of in that org organization mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that it started in the beginning of the pandemic i guess from our previous president who kind of coined it as the chinese virus just there was a lot of Toxicity that happened and really portrayed Asians, you know, different types of Asians, even if you, as though you didn't appear that you were Chinese, that it presented that the fact that you possibly had the virus, or um, it also perhaps gave more of the more people um, of the desire to want to, you know, cause these hate crimes or or do, do these hateful violences towards other people. I know personally for me, um, sort of before the beginning of the pandemic happened, I traveled to New York as well as to Los Angeles and wearing a mask wasn't really a thing then, but my colleague and I, or my friend, we, we, we flew together and we decided to sort of use, you know, Clorox wipes to wipe down our, our chairs and our areas and we even used a mask. And one of the things that I noticed from some of the passengers in the plane was that I I experienced these like microaggressions from people kind of, you know, with their with their um, nonverbal cues of just kind of looking at us as if, you know, why are we wearing these masks? Do you have the virus? It, it, it sort of presented in that way where it was in many ways racist towards us because we did appear as though we were Asian. Um, And so, just the fact that it's rising, you know, as we speak right now, it's quite mind-boggling to me, you know? Have you been able to experience, or I guess I hope you have not been able to experience, but have you experienced anything sort of in that nature? And I also wanted to understand your thoughts, too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic as well, I think i went to costco (laughs) Mm. with a mask i was also with a friend and we were both wearing masks and um there was a man who approached my friend and i and he said why are you wearing masks and it was not in like an in like a friendly manner but it was more in like an antagonizing way Mm. like why are you wearing masks and i think my friend was and i were like thinking in our heads like we're allowed to wear masks if we want to wear masks and if we feel more safe that way like we're allowed to wear masks and like it was such a huge controversial topic Mm. (laughs) remember in the beginning of the pandemic like even the start of like people were protesting about not wanting to wear masks they were holding legislative hearings about we don't want to wear our masks Mm -hmm. um and how that was i think there was i i do feel like there was a lot of even from there like antagonizing against Mm. wearing masks because masks portray a certain type of sentiment a certain type of stereotype and i think it gets heightened when you have an asian american identity yeah 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 yeah.
0: no i totally agree with you i think you know i traveled to asia before mm-hmm. you know i of when i went to to japan and even in hong kong people just wear masks because you know one maybe it's air pollution maybe they're sick or maybe they don't want to catch anything so it's it's crazy to me how the mask here in the united states almost is like symbolism for like oh you have a disease i need to stay away from you mm-hmm. but You know, it's funny how later on in the months, um, the CDC recommended or advised that we all wear masks and it was just a mandate, you know. Um, But one of the things that I did want to get into was sort of um, complicity when it comes to Asian-Americans. And even, you know, personally for me, I've experienced that a lot growing up. And seeing even my parents and and my grandparents and generations before that where in order for you to sort of uh, succeed in the United States is that you, you sit down, you shut up, you get your work done, and that's how you'll be able to succeed. And by complaining or standing up for yourself, like it was portrayed as like you not being able to do good for yourself and if anything it'll tarnish you or perhaps even like asian culture within the united states and and i think that this has been thrown out a lot where asian americans or asians in america are the model minorities so i i kind of really wanted to unpack that a little bit and i know that we've talked about this before but just really wanted to be able to open the space up for us to um, tuck it out and and hopefully shed a little bit light um, on our feelings and stuff
1: yeah yeah um, yeah, I think definitely a lot of second generation or 1.5 Asian Americans like totally grow up with that you know even if it's not said, it's understood hmm. um, when you just work hard and you, kind of just hope for the best right what are
0: your thoughts on asian americans being complicit Mm -hmm. and sort of Mm -hmm. that narrative of like having to work hard and and having to really prove yourself to succeed in the united states and what does it even mean to be model minority yeah
1: i think that that there's that's there's a lot to unpack Mm. in that question um i think okay well i think uh first of all I do think there is a sense of, like, we have been taught to, you know, be quiet and work hard and, like, not protest, right? And not um, go against the system. Uh, Be grateful to this country that has given you, quote-unquote, opportunity. Mm. um, And seize that opportunity for your benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I also don't think that we talk enough about is the past Asian American heroes hmm. who have completely gone against the grain yeah. and have been part of so much civil change and societal um, progressive movement movements for the Asian American community that we don't talk enough about. Yeah. We don't talk enough about the protests that happened um, with the death of Vincent Chin. Mm. We don't talk about activists and revolutionary leader like Grace Lee Boss yeah. who worked um, side and side very closely with the Black community, mm-hmm. um, as well as Asian American uh, movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even at San Francisco State University, how um, the Third World Liberation Front, which was the... Asian American community, the Filipino community, and the Black students and the Latinx students coming together and demanding for an ethnic studies to be opened mm. at SF State yeah. is a huge thing that we don't talk enough about. Mm-hmm. And as much as we, I do think there is that, like, yes, we've been taught in taught, like, not to speak about it, mm-hmm. um, to... Remember that our history and our legacy is um, filled with people who have resisted against the system, mm. who have not only resisted but have been um, have made a change yeah. in where we are right now. Yeah. And we need to remember that. We remember those like heroes. Remember those deeds and like, yeah, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other part of the whole model minority in all of this is, yeah, I think the reason why uh, we want to stay quiet is because when we are quiet, we uphold the model minority. Yes. Right. We yes. uphold. Yes. Like the system works, Seize the opportunity, get that whatever, get that American dream. Yep. Right. And that's how you get the American dream is by being the model minority. So. I think that identity has a lot to do with the opportunity that our parents came here for Mm. and so those I think it's like all intertwinely like tied and intersected um and very complicated because it's really personal right we want to achieve our dreams we want to make up for the sacrifices our parents made and so we want to achieve the model minority um But at times like this I think we are reminded about the false narratives Mm. of the model minority and the quote unquote opportunity that America has for our community and I think it highlights again the perpetual forwardness of the Asian American community of not being seen as American but being seen as the other, the yellow peril um So, yeah, I think yellow peril is something that, you know, we've been taught in our history classes, like the Chinese bringing virus, quote-unquote viruses, since, I mean, since the immigration of the first Chinese laborers into the U.S. Yes. And so, I mean, as much as I do think the president, the ex-president, you know, him calling the coronavirus
0: the chinese virus the
1: chinese virus or whatever he used i i personally think whether or not he said it i do feel like hate crimes existed yeah existed and would have still happened but yeah. i think his remarks exacerbated
0: absolutely and made
1: it okay absolutely to say those things
0: absolutely um i'm glad that you said that in the beginning of sort of The collective coming together, whether it be different races at San Francisco State University. I didn't know that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's great that these multiple um, cultures and and, and individuals came together to ensure that we have or SF State has a more robust um, curriculum when it comes to ethnic studies, because it really is important. You know, It, it should be embedded within our education, even in elementary school, middle school, high school, because I feel like there's so much um narrative so many things that were left out out of those textbooks and not the entire story was really depicted and i think even for me as an asian american i already have like a fixed you know view or fixed notion of you know how america was discovered or you know even, you know, the the civil rights movement in 1960s, I felt like it was just on the surface. There's so much more than just what happened um, within within just that march, you know? I think that there's definitely so much more opportunity to educate people in our communities and really understand, like, their background. And secondly, I really appreciate what you said in regards to sort of... Um, racism against Asian, Asian people has existed. You know, when I think of... Um, Asian people, Chinese people that came to America to build the first railroad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was obviously cheap labor and I, 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 I could be wrong but I, I do believe that my grandpa and my grandpa's father came here to help with that initiative. Filipino, Filipinos were, were a part of that initiative as well, among other Asians. Um, and then once that railroad was complete there was the Chinese Exclusion Act mm-hmm. and that created even more segregation you know and there was this, this whole divide in the country of you know people saying like all these Chinese people all these other ethnicities are are, are taking the jobs away mm-hmm. but would you be doing that job to begin with mm-hmm. um yeah. if you were to ask my humble and honest opinion I don't think so right mm-hmm. and so that in itself is already embedded within the American culture of just sort of creating that segregation of, of across different races in the United States. Yeah. And it, it really saddens me, you know? And I think that's one thing that I had to look into with my own research and that I, you know, again, through my history books, my textbooks, it's, it's one of those things that was just maybe on the surface or that I didn't really look into as much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But these are things that are in the U.S. history that we should really talk about more, you
1: know? Right. And I... I... I think what is so mind-boggling is like i didn't know about these asian american heroes till i was in my late 20s -hmm. like there's no mention of how the asian american um were part of revolutionizing this country Mm -hmm. um a part of saying no like we deserve a place here we deserve our own rights um But, yeah, that's left out. And so I think it perpetuates the model minority myth, right? And it wants to reinforce that of, like, stay silent. Um, You're doing, quote-unquote, better. Be grateful to this country. And, yeah, I I think what you said just hit it, the nail on the head.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, now that I think about it even more, you know, I think, in a sense, it's great that we have sort of some representation of, like, there's a Chinatown, there's a Japantown, sometimes there's even a Filipino town. Mm -hmm. But what we fail to realize is that these sort of small communities is a way to segregate and create just these small areas in which these people can congregate away from, I'm just going to say it, like, white people, Mm -hmm. you know? And... It's, you know, it may, it may seem as though, like, it's great, like, we have our own thing, but why can't it just be mixed with any other neighborhood, any other community? Yeah. And so, that too, you know, I, I, I'm even reminded of um, the International Hotel. Yeah. Um, and, and I know it's a whole other topic of even being able to talk about gentrification, yeah. but and, and I know that you studied this really well um but just the international hotel was just something it was that last little bit of what um in San Francisco that amer asians or asian americans what like that's the last thing that they held on to before they were you know ran off to find different communities or different places to live mm-hmm. you know they um i'm not sure if many of you know but this international hotel was was intended to be um broke broken so that they can build more commercial places, more um, housing, you know, just make it more marketable to w- what people expected as, like, the American lifestyle or, like, what they think would make San Francisco more marketable.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: th- th- that just honestly makes me really sad. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, it is really saddening. I think the exclusion, as you said, it, it, we, the exclusion... I think what we're trying to point out is the exclusion and the hate and the violence has been happening since the presence mm-hmm. of Asian Americans here, and this thing to the hate crimes because of COVID is nothing new, right? But just exacerbated and being very in your face, mm-hmm. and um, it's yeah, like you know, gentrification is a, another form mm-hmm. of exclusion, and another form of. A violent a violence towards the community. You're yeah. you're stripping away people's homes. Yeah. It's a very violent act. It's a different type of violence, never, nonetheless still very violent. Um and I come yeah, yeah, I think it's we can talk about hate crimes in individualized like, you know, in, in terms of like shoving or like slur racial slurs, but the violence when it comes to policy, immigration policy, you talked about the Chinese Exclusion Act, violence is through um, gentrification and kicking people out of their home. Violence can look like many, many, many ways mm. and how it the trauma of all of that <laughs> lives within our legacy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think tying this all back to the recent events with co- Covid and um, just these violent, extremely violent um, hate crimes has been so traumatizing, mm. right? Yeah. It's like your uncle, it's your father, it's these father figures, these mother figures, um, the elderly figures in our lives mm-hmm. that are being specifically targeted yeah. and... I think that's I think that's one of the words that really one of the words in which I can express what this past week has been like, mm-hmm. um and you know I don't know about you but since COVID when it started with all these like it just like and then you know it started off with like little things with like people not little but it starts off with like people yelling you know yes you know there was a lot of like people recording videos that mm-hmm. where. Someone would yell at an Asian American, like, go back to where you're from. Right. Why are you here? And every time I see that, or like any hate crime, I like internally hope it's the last one.
0: Hmm. Or
1: it would like die down, mm-hmm. or it would like somehow, like, it wouldn't, this would be the last hate crime that I'm gonna see. But it's like, it, it, it just got progressively worse. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could say like, I mean, one of the worst things is like people dying. Like in SF, the Thai elderly um, Thai American man was killed. Um, the eight women in Georgia, Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, were brutally murdered. Yeah. And it's scary. It really it's is scary, scary and traumatizing
0: it really is um sorry i just needed to take a a quick breath because honestly it's it's a lot of what's been happening and sometimes i tell myself that i need to take a break from looking at social media because it really is disheartening and it really affects our minds our emotions um it, it truly is a lot and so I'm really glad that we've been able to ha- use this as a platform to you know discuss things like this because oftentimes people don't have a community to sort of talk about these things and so it's I, I, I'm great it, it it almost seems a little visceral mm-hmm. if you say if, if you will um, where I'm able to you know just discuss these things with you mm-hmm. um, I think I agree with you in, in regards to that sentiment where you said oh I'm I'm hoping this is the last like hateful crime that's happening. I've had I've 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 had that same sentiment or that same thought as well. I'm like oh maybe this is like the last one. Or, I hope that there's, there's not going to be any more. But then what's crazy to me and, and and I think this relates back to to Black Lives Matter. It, it, it's not comparable in, in any means, but you know when things ha- when that incident happened with George Floyd, where the officer actually killed him and it was filmed, it really shook America. It shook people across the globe, honestly, that these are hateful crimes against African Americans um, in the United States. And so, with this hateful crime of m- murders of people in this massage parlor in, in, in Atlanta. That, that in itself was also like a wake-up call. Like, and excuse my language, it's like, what the fuck is happening, you know? Um, and so, it, it, it sh- personally for me, it shouldn't take a big incident like that for me to want to stand up, have a voice, um, and, and shed light on topics like this, or even discuss it, you know? Um, it shouldn't take for lives to be lost in order for us to really stand up
1: i agree yeah yeah it's i think it is sorry i'm also very like listening to you like i felt your emotion and so i'm like a little bit processing that um Yeah. yeah i i completely agree you know it's why it's at the death of an innocent it's at the death of a human being Mm -hmm. um where why is it at the death of a human being you know people are finally saying something or like people finally recognize maybe something's wrong Mm -hmm. uh finally come to realize that um but what's yeah and it's really disheartening yeah and I think something that like I have to also come to terms with is it's not going to be the last mm. um, and that's so sad to just even say that
0: Yeah.
1: and we're going to continue to see hate crimes happening yeah. and I think that's what's the really scary part um, as we're like processing what's like happening now in this moment also like preparing ourselves for what is to come
0: yeah
1: um the violence against black bodies and the violence against asian bodies has really never stopped Mm. right and Mm -hmm. it is continuing to happen in 2021 yeah and it will continue to happen and i think It's, it's really, that is what's so disheartening Mm. about it because I think it just goes back to institutionalized racism and and structural racism, which is another whole
0: topic. (laughs) It really is.
1: But I mean, this country as you know, we, you and I have talked about it multiple times, but has been built on the violence against Black bodies, the violence against Asian bodies. This is not the first time Asian people also have been killed. Right. Um, because of fear or hate, um, and othering. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's scary. And it also feels like a betrayal. Yeah. Of what our parents came here for to sacrifice for us to have quote and quote. I don't, I don't know if your parents say this, but my parents came here for, in the hopes that my sister and I will have a better Better life. life. Yeah, of course. That feels like a lie. Hmm. That feels like it's not the American dream, but Mm -hmm. it's the American nightmare that we're living. in. Wow. Of our community being, killed you know and i mean you i think
0: you put it so i mean it sounds very (laughs) um sad and negative when when you say like the american nightmare but to be quite honest that's what it really feels like you know and it's even being portrayed in different Aspects of media, you know. There's different. I, I I actually haven't seen the movie yet, and maybe we can divulge in it in a little bit. But that movie, and, and correct me if I'm if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, but Minari, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that definitely depicts like, you know, Korean people, you know, coming from their, their the country that they were 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 originally from, coming to the United States and chasing after that dream, doesn't necessarily mean like oh. um I'm going to get paid with this much money and I'm going, you know, finding different occupations or different ways in how to make money doesn't necessarily mean it's like happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's even, um, money in itself is something that we chase after, I think. Um, and I think you and I kind of maybe might share that little sentiment when it comes to our faith of Christianity, where it's like money is very temporary mm. and it won't bring happiness, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with you and just how sad it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, we talked about how Minari was casted as a, foreign film Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's right yeah which is not a foreign film I think that speaks volumes to how America um still views the Asian American family
0: yeah I think I remember you mentioning so you said um Even in the Golden Globes. Was it Golden Globes? I
1: think it was Golden Globes. It was one of
0: those award shows where it won Best Foreign Film. Yes. However, it was set here in the United States.
1: Tosla, Oklahoma. The entire movie was in Tosla, Oklahoma.
0: (laughs) That does not make any sense to me. Um, It obviously was set in America, so why is it even being coined as an international foreign film? does not make any sense to me
1: it doesn't make any sense
0: and so i think that also perpetuates what i what we were talking about earlier of how it's like stay in your lane Mm -hmm. you don't deserve to get best motion picture you don't deserve to get best actor or like these more higher you know prestigious um nominations or awards um so i think yes there is a lot of systemic injustices even Media in the entertainment industry, just across the board, mm-hmm. you know. I think we're disadvantaged in many ways, and and I think that also perpetuates that that sentiment of like, okay, we're not gonna be noticed, but we we have to work harder for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that
1: and that in itself is violent. Yeah, it's not a, a physical hate crime where you get like physically beaten up, but you. But a film that I I watched that film and I was like, oh my god, it was kind of hard to watch because I was like, I I was like, why does this remind me of my father's too much? I was like, this is so close to home. Right. Um. But um, I was just gonna say, the fact that they're calling your story foreign is very violent. Hmm. They're calling our immigrant story here in America as labeling that as othering is a very violent thing to do Mm -hmm. saying that this home is not your home Mm -hmm. you don't belong here Mm -hmm. um it's a it's a form of saying you don't belong here you don't deserve a place Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. and how that's a form of violence i mean it's not a form of like a specific hate crime that we could report to stop aapia (laughs) but i think the the levels and the the degrees and the levels and the forms of violence in Asian American to the Asian American community is being perpetuated and um, institutionalized mm-hmm. in all forms of our lives. Um, it's not just through physical hate crimes or the calling of racial slurs. Yeah or the glances it's happening in our media mm-hmm. our stories are being called other it's happening in our workplaces mm-hmm. it's happening in our schools mm-hmm. it's happening in our education system it's happening it's literally everywhere yeah. and i think that's what um the awareness of that is makes it even more like like the american nightmare when you like really look at when you like really look at how am i being othered in what in the levels of otherness that is happening in almost every way is it's alarming and um but yeah i think uh i wanted to tie it back you know i don't i mean one level of um I don't want to just end on, like, yeah. or, like, just talk about the nightmare yeah, 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 and absolutely. the violence that is being um, enacted in our community. But right. I also want to talk about solidarity. Mm. And that's why I love talking about the Third World Liberation Front mm-hmm. at San Francisco State University. Um, I mean, just to give a little background, San Francisco, the student-led activism movement by the black student union um and i don't remember the names of the two other the two other groups but basically it was the black student union and like the asian americans um, majority was chinese and filipino students Mm -hmm. and the latinx community got together and they demanded that um, San Francisco State allows ethnic studies and mm-hmm. what ethnic studies basically is, is like us to tell our own histories mm-hmm. us to tell our own stories about ourselves mm. we don't need the white dominant narrative telling us our stories our histories um, and they're like there are no professors that look like us there's no curriculum that is about us and we demand that we tell our own stories mm-hmm. and San Francisco State uh, University is the first university um, to have an enacted Ethnic Studies College, Um, and so I think that is profound. Yeah. um, In what solidarity can do. Yes. And what when people come together um, and understand that this is a mutual. Fight. It's not just an Asian American fight. Mm-hmm. It's not just the violence that is happening to Asian American, but it's happening. What's happening to one community is happening to another. Right. Um, the violence is not just happening to Asian Americans. That's So it's happening um, in the Black community. It's happening in the Latinx community. Yeah. Um. And to see that it's all stemming from white supremacy. Right. That white supremacy is pervasive everywhere yeah and we need more than ever the black community to be by our sides the land x community to be by our sides the indigenous Mm. community to be by our sides and rally with each other and rally for each other um in times like this Mm -hmm. and we need to come together in solidarity more than ever um and now is not the time to play oppression Olympics but now is the time where I think one of the most powerful things we could do is as communities is to come together and recognize we're all fighting the same fight
0: yeah Yeah. that concludes the first episode of reimagination for more information on how you can help out with the AAPI community or how you can report any hate crimes be sure to visit us on our Instagram at re.imagination that's R-E dot I-M-A-G-I-N-A-S-I-A-N. See you there.